Welcome to another powerful, fun, edutaining segment on Ready, Set, Real Estate. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel at LA Super Agent and like your favorite playlist. Be sure to hit that bell so you're notified when new shows are uploaded. And also we're available on radio podcasts everywhere, including Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, uh, Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, Breaker, Stitcher. And there's a plethora of podcasts out there. If you listen to a, a podcast platform that you don't see us on, send me a message. We'll get, we'll get uploaded there. We want to be where you are, bring all this information. And oftentimes we know people are tuning in on their mobile or in their cars, creating what we know as mobile universities. What better way to learn real estate and literacy terms, concepts, careers, opportunities from right from your phone, tablet and or PC. All right, y'all, thanks for bearing with me. This, by the way, is a retake. I'm not gonna pretend like I didn't have technical issues, but if you uh, weren't on the live, you wouldn't have known that. My radio podcast listeners wouldn't have skipped a beat, but also I just want you to know it's never perfect. And this is what raw and uncut looks like. It's completely authentic. And today's guest is Mark Williams real estate appraiser and owner of M and M appraisals. And let me say this, how timely to have Mark on the show. Mark, welcome to the show. How are you? Well, Lisa, thank you for having me. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. I must say that we were doing our radio um, excuse me, our commercial real estate series in these last couple weeks. And I felt how timely it is to have you come on and talk about valuations in a shifting market, depending where you are in the country. And so you bring uh, about 15 years of real estate experience. Yeah, is that exactly. correct? Exactly. And uh, also known as Coach Mark. So I want you to just kind of <laughs> share what that means <laughs> and just the journey of what your business has been because for those who uh you know oftentimes you know people reach out and say lisa i want to do real estate you know or, or they're connecting and say i want to learn more i want to do real estate but they don't realize the sales professional is one piece of a 1.3 billion dollar industry Yes, right. uh, let's see. Yeah, you're correct. What happened, I was uh, a production manager for a small firm in Benicia, California, and uh, spent a lot of time there, not spending any time with the kids. I had to get permission to go on field trips, to, you know, go hang out with the kids, doing anything, any activity, and I was never able to get home on time to coach. So mm. I started looking around thinking, what can I do? But I didn't like sales. I didn't want, you know, <laughs> I didn't like sales. I don't want to sell anything. So right. I was thinking, what can I do? And a friend of mine is a realtor and he said, why don't you do appraisals? And I said, how come? And he said, well, you know, I sold a house here in Vallejo, which is Northern California. And then he had another sale in Sacramento, California, which is about an hour away. He told me the same realtor appraised both houses in the same day. And I was like, oh, really? So he said, I should look into that if I didn't want to do so. I start, I did some research and I said, you know what? I'll try it. So I went in head first and allowed me to coach youth sports here in Vallejo. I've been coaching for about 20 years. And then also I got a job at the local high school coaching girls basketball and soccer, varsity on both. And uh, been a wonderful ride. So the appraisals allowed me time to do anything I want. I, you know, it takes maybe 30 minutes at the house, two hours worth of research, and I can do that whenever. And ever since then, I've been able to take the kids on all the field trips, go overnight, do whatever I want. It just allowed me the freedom and I don't have to sell anything. And so you don't rating, have to sell anything. Sell. So for those of you who are listening, guess what? <laughs> this he's, he's, and he's running his own, he is owner operator of his business. And it is giving him the freedom and flexibility in time to do what he loves. And uh, I will get into the next part of it because I know that 
has been your love, which is coaching. Yes. And that's why you're Coach Mark. Uh, I wanted to just share just for people who aren't really privy to what that what that looks like. So um, what people don't realize, the appraisal uh, license is the same license as a sales professional. Yes. And then when you do more of your CE, it's more concentrated on the appraisal. Uh, exactly. Uh, section. Yes, so, yeah. I, so that's what I know, limited. But this is all about you. Share with us kind of, you know, what that what that looks like and, you know, renewing hours for someone who is every, thinking about this. Yes. Continued education. We call it CE classes. So every two years you have to have 56 hours worth of continued education to make sure your license is valid. Mm -hmm. And that's a way for the state to make sure that you're following all the laws, regulations, and you're up to speed with, and they call it USPAP, uniform. It's un the appraisals are uniform. So you want to be in compliance with that. It's called USPAP. So mm -hmm. you have to be in compliance. So every two years they come out with a new law or they take one away and mm -hmm. you just want to be up to speed. So with the evaluation process, it's an opinion of value with the appraisal. So you can, you don't want your appraiser, you want them to be neutral. You don't want them to be for the bank or for the client. So with the appraisals, you just want to be neutral. And that's why it was so important to me that even if the sale doesn't go through the appraisal, once you get the appraisal and it's complete, we still get paid. If the deal doesn't go through, so you hopefully you get a good appraiser and they know the market, they know the area. So, and you want to be fair. And so that's the biggest thing. And, uh, you know, a few times, even if it's not in the bank's best interest or the client's best, you just have to be fair with the valuation. And so a lot of times the the lender or the, and they took that process out, but they don't understand that you can fix your house up really good. You can do everything and you still may not come in because the houses around you aren't selling for that. So we have to do something called bracketing. So you don't want your house to be the highest in the neighborhood or the lowest in the neighborhood. You want it to kind of fit and be in the median. So if it's not, if you have the lowest house in the neighborhood, they want to know why. And if you have the highest price house, they want to know why. So you want to get an appraiser who's really good at bracketing the price. And if you have the comps available, that's the other thing. You want the comparables available in your market. So that's, uh, you know, that's pretty much it. If you, once you get good at the bracketing part of it, you know, seeing what the house is worth and what's going on in the neighborhood currently, and so uh, it's, it's, it's a lot to learn. It's a lot of stuff, but it's, it's fun. I like it because it's really analytical and I am, you know, coaching, I dive in and make sure that, you know, I haven't had any problems. So. And I, I, I was going to say, I was going to say that the analytical part of it, because let's see, my last appraisal was 56 pages. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at these appraisals. Yes. And, uh, you know, but I'll go to either I'll go to I'll jump to page three. <laughs> yes. yes. I need page three, which is telling me what the what it's valued at and <laughs> any requirements you are calling out yes. that need to be satisfied, depending on whether it's for an FHA or VA in, uh, insured loan. Uh, would you share a little bit just kind of maybe just cover the how the appraisals vary for those types of loans would we'll cover uh, FHA or VA, those insured uh, government insured loans and guaranteed loans versus, uh, let's say, a conventional loan. So people can uh, comprehend when we are speaking about appraisals, uh, we're also talking about a, a type of inspection when we're dealing with those types of financing. Yes, the VA loans and the the uh, FHA, they're a lot more detailed. The requirements that HUD have you go, it's a checklist. And so you want to go through each box and check everything off. And I like the conventional loans because they're easier. The FHA, they cost a little more, but they're more in detail. You have to either go, you have to go in the attic or in the basement or in the crawl space. They're more in detail. You have to make sure that every appliance is working. You have to check the heater. You have to check, ooh, air conditioning, you have to do all the components in the house with the FHA. Mm -hmm. So they're more detailed. That's why they cost a little more money because the government or HUD, they want to make sure everything in the unit is working, everything. Right. And so you have to, it's more in detail. With a conventional, you don't have to do all that. But what I got accustomed to doing is do every appraisal like you're doing the FHA and then you never, it's always the same. So okay. if you do the same, so even if you get a conventional from me, I'm checking everything for you. I'm looking at everything, making sure everything's working. 
so you don't have a fall off. You, there's no difference with my inspection. I still do all the work that I have to do anyway. It's just that you don't have to check so many boxes off. So that's the that's the biggest difference is you, you'll find the appraiser. We have to go into the attic. We have to check everything for the VA loans for the FHA. They want more boxes checked off. They want to really make sure that the house is in operating order and you can live in and is habitable. So that's what you want with the when you have to do the FHA. That's the difference. Uh, mm. Just the detail and the appraisal. And it's mostly the check, the boxes that you have to check for the government. With the conventional, conventional bank, you don't, you should, you know, once you get accustomed to doing it, you should do the same standard. You know, I kind of hold myself to the same standard anyway. So just because I'll still do all the work because I'm used to it. Mm. So for instance, you have to take pictures of all the, of every side of the house. So with the FHA and the conventional, you'll see a picture and you should see at the address. You want to see either the street, both sides of the street, because they want to see uh, both directions. So I do that for all appraisals now. I don't just do it for the FHA because they're the only ones who require it. So I put in my brain that I have to do this anyway. <laughs> so mm. I have to do the same. So if you do the same work all the time, you don't have a drop off. So that's it's the detail in the work and the appraisals and what you have to check off. You have to make sure things are working. FHA requires you to check more boxes. Conventional doesn't. And that's the only difference. And so that's why the FHA and, and the VA are a little more expensive as far as the appraisals. But then we have a middleman, somebody called the appraisal management company. We call them AMCs. They're okay. the buffer between us and the bank. So unless you're dealing with a private loan or a private client, you have to go through an AMC. You can't just pick your appraiser. So if you're the realtor in the good old days, I would be able to work directly for you. Mm. But now we have somebody in the middle and that's the AMC, which is the appraisal management company. And they get the order and they give it to us if we choose to operate this way. So if you want to work for our AMC, then you can get a lot of assignments from them. They'll go right to them. And so if you have any problems, you're dealing with the AMC and not the appraiser directly. And that's the difference. So that the bank can't fire you right away. The AMC usually will check your work and make sure it's right and send it off to the bank. So you don't have any direct contact with the bank. So say, for instance, if it's Bank of America, they would contact you know, they would contact, they would go through the AMC. The AMC would assign the job to me if I'm in the area and if I'm available. So that's the difference. That's that's the buffer. The appraisal management company is in the middle. We don't like them because they take some of the money. <laughs> they want a cut of our money and they don't do any work. Right, right. So this would have been, would this have been the entity that was influenced uh, during the market crash? And because at once upon a time, you know, there was appraisers, I would say unethical appraisers that were influencing yeah. prices and valuation, you know, exactly. quote unquote, to make the deal go through for the, exactly. the banks and they were overinflating. So the AMC is the entity that was introduced as that right. middleman. It was supposed to, yeah, it's supposed to be the buffer in between so that what was happening was if you had a client say the direct loan office, they would stop your work. They would put you on a blacklist. Mm. And you wouldn't be able to get any more assignments and you would want to know why. Well, you made somebody mad. You made a broker mad. You didn't. The deal didn't go through. You didn't have enough value. So in order to keep your client happy, you would have to hit a number. So say, for instance, if they say I need the house to come in at five hundred thousand and without going out to the house, you don't know if the house is going to be worth five hundred thousand. But if you don't hit that mark, you won't get the next appraisal. So mm. that was bad. So mm. certain certain clients were you know, lenders or brokers, it was hard to work for them because if you didn't hit the number that they wanted, they would stop giving you work. So you had to weed those kind of appraisers, uh, those kind of clients out. So you have some bad clients too. So I got right. rid of those. Yeah. So that and, that was, yeah. And see, the, it, that goes to show that, uh, you know, especially because I see it now, uh, especially as we're it's shifting and there are different situations coming up. I do see it with uh, in in certain colleagues, or I wouldn't say colleagues. I would say industry professionals that are about the flim flam. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> my license is no, no. This exactly. is my exactly that part. That part. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that part. It took me too long to get my license to to mess it up for a four hundred dollar deal. Come you on. Know? Yeah, like no, I don't think so. Right. And so, yeah. and it's so funny because these, I recently learned this about the AMC and that blacklisting. They have to, the appraiser has to be an approved appraiser to, with yes. the AMC in order for the lender to use that particular appraiser. 
Exactly. And so a lot of the what the AMCs do, I don't know all the ins and outs, and I just found out later. And so if you and what, what was happening, and I had a few colleagues that he can't do any work for Bank of America, and we wanted to know why. But one of his appraisals didn't hit the broker's mark, and so they took him off. Mm. And so if you have if you were to bump heads with anybody in the office, if they got mad at you, they would take you off the list. And that wasn't fair. You know, they it was personal. So yeah, they did, their deal didn't go through and like, okay, are you looking out for the client's best interest? Are you right. looking out for just your bottom line? Right. So I don't have any problems because I just tell the truth. I figure that way it's easier and I'm not losing my license for a $400, $500 deal. So you you understand. So that's what was happening uh, when, the, when the market crashed. But I, I never had that problem because I, would, I was always thinking that this is not right. Do what's right and you won't have any problems. So, but I did hear of some appraisers that were overinflating and you can see it with the appraisals that they use are the comparables that they use. If you follow the steps and stay within the parameter, it's so simple. But these guys were doing stuff that just wasn't ethical. And I, I saw some bad appraisals and I was like, wow. So I always tell people, if you can't use me and you're a friend or family, I can't do it for you. But if you get an appraisal and you're not sure, send it over. I'll look at it and make sure that they use the best comparables in your area in a timely manner. So I, I saw, I see both ends of it, you know, but I like, the way I do it because I don't have any trouble. Right. Yay. And I'm celebrating you for sending yourself as a resource to people who are questioning the comps because I actually helped someone who they got a comp and they said, can you take a look at it? And I was looking at, you know, the comps that they pulled and everything. But one of the things that were, that was interesting on this particular trade, he was aware of mold issues and, the appraiser had smelled it, identified, observed it, but did not notate it as a repair on oh. there. You just talked about health and habitability. Yes. A property with mold, hello, you have to, yeah. it needs to yeah. happen. And that cost needs to be factored in. Exactly. So, a lot of things, yeah, that's a very good point. And a lot of things that uh, I make this mistake and some of the AMCs get mad at me, but I'm when I get there, my opinion is an opinion of value based on facts, but it's just an opinion of value. As a consumer, you have a right to do two things. You can ask for a field review or a desk review. That's another set of eyes that have come out. But with the lender usually should eat that cost, but they don't want to tell them up front, the client or the, pur the purchaser, you know, because we can have a disagreement just because if I have 100 comps available and I choose mine and you choose, because you can have two appraisers and we have two different sets of comparables, you want to know why. Mm -hmm. So it usually it's a factor that you want to use. You want to stay in a certain parameter and banks will loan on 25% of the size of the GLA, which is mm -hmm. the gross living area. So if you stay within a certain parameter with your comparables and the size of the home, if it's a 1500 square foot home, you don't want to use a 2500 square foot home as a comparable. So if you stay within 15% and then work your way out to the 25 after. So that's the parameter that I start with, the 15% of the size of the home. And then I'll work my way out and I would try to stay within a quarter of a mile, half a mile, and then work my way up to a mile. So you want to stay, you want to keep it tight with your comparables. And so that's what happens is an appraiser will jump a freeway in order to get that price. But why did you cross the freeway? Are you in the same neighborhood? Are you in the same district as far as shopping schools, you know, transportation? you know, freeway interests. What neighborhood did you go to to get the comparable? So as an appraiser, you want to keep your appraisal nice and tight and solid. And if you can stay in the same neighborhood or use a competing neighborhood. So these are some of the things that I see people doing and some appraisers were doing unethical things and I get that, but I don't have these problems because I, I have friends that are also reviewers. So they're going to check your work for you and they'll tell you, this is what we're looking for. So that's important, but they just, I would, I wish that the industry would tell the consumer that they have rights and the biggest one is get a field review or desk review if you don't like your appraisal look at get me i can to get my notepad mark stop playing because <laughs> i as a real estate professional i just you know i just met with an appraiser yesterday on one of our listings you know and i showed up and made sure i made the property accessible and answered any questions that he had in relation to concessions and the you know, what type of sale it was and stuff like that. But come on now, look, real estate gems is what we call it. Hashtag <laughs> real estate gems on this show. And this was all worth the technical difficulty we just had <laughs> trying to get you on. 
I was trying. I could hear you fine. I was like, where is Lisa? I can hear you. So we we have the right as yes. consumers for if a you don't field like, if you don't, review yes. or a desk review. A field review or a desk review. Get that. That's just a second. That's another appraiser who will look at the appraiser's work to see if he used the best comparables for you. And they should tell that more often because you don't have to agree with it. And then the appraiser, that's somebody checking me. Mm -hmm. to see if I'd use the best comparables. Now I may have missed one or two, but you don't want to miss four. And mm. then that's the other thing is that if you look at the first page, there's three comparables. There's three that you can use. I always get four, four sales. I like to use four. So okay. if, if they don't like one, I have an extra one for you. So usually you aren't, the minimum requirement is to grab three comparables and two listings, two active listings. Mm -hmm. That's the easy way to me. Just get four. So that way, the more you have to validate your, your final opinion of value, your FOV, that's better. So when you see, so I always say that's lazy. Some people, they don't want to do the extra work to check your last comp. So just get four. So that way you have one in the bank. You have something extra. If it's available to you, sometimes it's not available. So that's all. But we just don't share that information enough with the realtors. And I always do. And so if a client or if I get to the homeowner and I say, look, it's just my opinion of value. If you find that I did something that you don't like, I don't have a problem with you getting a field review or a desk review. It shouldn't cost the homeowner anymore, but it, the, the lender should have to pay for that. And it's mm -hmm. not that much. It's maybe extra $100 just to get that peace of mind, but they don't share this information. So I always share the information. And so if they don't like it, then they know they have to get it. So it's not that much. I mean, it just everybody's peace of mind is better for me because then if my appraisal is validated from the review, then they say, now what are you going to do? So. See, you see why Mark is on the show, y'all? This is why. <laughs> this is exactly why. Jeez. This, see, oh my goodness. I'm just, especially because uh, I just released a book called Just Fell Out of Escrow, Top Five Reasons a Property Does Not Sell. Appraisals are one of those uh, factors that I contribute to escrows falling apart. Mm -hmm. And and it's exactly because of what you just shared. Valuations either don't come in at yes. the contract price. And then we go, what do we do? So I explained and covered what you shared. So I'm just elated because I'm not out here giving wrong information. Right, right. <laughs> but no, I, from professional experience, what I have experienced when it comes under contract, right. uh, under, under a contract price and depending if I'm on the buy side, that works out wonderfully for my buyer, right? Right, However, exactly. Now we have this issue of making sure that there's enough proceeds in the transaction if the valuation has come in below. So, and that's a whole nother uh, issue. I wanted to actually slow us down and bring us yeah. back because we're using terms like comparables. Would you just explain that? Because, you know, our audience, is just, you know, we're learning basics, terms and concepts and not, we don't overwhelm, we keep it simple. So just, would you just share what comparables are? Yes, a comparable is something that should be, uh, the subject first is the property that's selling or in my case, a refinance. So the comparable is something, and we call them comps, is something that matches the, the price, the house that's selling. So a comp is just a comparable is something that you use to compare the subject to. So if you have a house, let's say it's a small house, a thousand square feet, you wanna find three other homes that are at least a thousand square feet, three bedrooms, two bedrooms, one bath. So a comparable is something that matches the listing price or something that's selling. So that, that's what the comp is. So if you have a house that's a thousand square feet, two bedrooms, two baths, you do not wanna see a comparable that's five bedrooms, and four bathrooms is not comparable. So you want an actual comparable to what you're doing. So that's what we mean. So that's what the comp is. And also the other thing that I was telling you about is the GLA, which is the gross living area. If you have a house that's 1500 square feet, you do not want to use a house that's 2500 square feet to compare it with unless there's nothing else in the area. So I was just, I was having trouble with one last night I was out in a city called Vacaville and the property is two acres, 2.5 acres. And it's in a rural area and it's 2,500 square foot home. 
but it's on two acres. Most of the homes in that area are five acres. So what I tried to do is stay within the parameter. I tried to find comparables that were the same size and at least two acres to two and a half, but I have some that's five acres. So that's a big difference in land. Mm -hmm. So I had to expand the search until I was able to find another one that at least had two acres. So I had two of equal size and two that were much larger as far as land. And most of the value is coming from the land. So as an appraiser, you want to use comparables that match your subject. So that's what when we say comparables, when you see a comparable. So whatever house you're living in or whatever house you're buying or selling, you want something that's close to that. And that's where the percentages come in, starting off at 15%. And banks will loan up to 25% of the size of that home. But this is some of the things that we don't share with the, the public. They just think you're picking comparables. A comparable that's out there. And so I try to just tell the information the honest way and I don't have any trouble, but we just, we don't share it enough with the consumer, what we're trying to do and what a comparable is. Hence we're on ready, set real estate, doing it. <laughs> <laughs> trying to share, it seems boring though, huh? I, I, do you know how much of a better professional you have just made me and everyone on uh, listening right now and viewing. Are you kidding me? Shout out to DeAndre who says, Mark is dropping game. <laughs> oh, that's my guy right there. <laughs> right, right. That is our guy. So yes, I thought he would be very surprised and pleased to see that you are on uh, the show today. So that's why I said, I'm going to stick with it and make sure we get Mark on the show because exactly what you shared. I see my mind was just spinning because I was, you're right. I I don't like when they go across freeways and into different neighborhoods just to match. And it's like, wait a minute, you're in a whole different city. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No different. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, and, and so with all that being said, what I have learned, and those, it just really re, it just confirms uh, what I've learned in doing BPO. So broker mm. price opinions. Uh, yes. when the uh, bank is either going to be pursuing a foreclosure or a homeowner is doing a loan modification, oftentimes we are asked as professionals to do what is called a broker priced opinion. Yes. With that, I have learned exactly what you shared, the percentages. If I go beyond a mile, I need to explain why, why I'm going exactly. beyond a mile, right? I'm explaining some factors. They want to see the as is, they want to see what will it be? You know, how much would you uh, suggest it would sell for, for 15 days or the as yes. is price, the 30 yes. day price? And how long on the market do you think will it take for us to move it at this price? I mean, yes, you're. I learned yeah. from that a lot, but also that I don't like doing it. <laughs> <laughs> See, because you hit everything on the head. You were perfect because everything you said, because when the market, when it was slow, I went to work for a broker and I was, and they wanted an appraiser to do broker price opinions. And I said, you want me to do a BPO? I said, I don't think you want me to do it because I'm doing it as an appraiser's point of view. She said, no, I want you to do it. I said, okay, but I'm a little different from what you guys pick. So I went to her office and so I was like, you know, I just want to do an appraisal. You guys are cutting too many corners. I'm used to doing it this way, but I, I know, whoa, I definitely do. And so it was easy for me to do them but I did them as an appraiser and she didn't mind. So right, it's, right. it's different when you're going with that mindset, but I know all the realtors that I know, they don't like doing them. They're like, we're not doing no BPOs. No, <laughs> I don't want to do the BPOs, but we know why we do them, right? Because yes. it's, that yes, we do get paid right. for them and it is a potential for a listing contract. But it's good that you know that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I like when, at least you know, sort of what we do as an appraiser, you did, you said everything perfect. So that's cool. I like it. Yay. See, I've been, I've been stamped and approved by Mark, yes. the appraiser. Yes. I'm good. Super agent is, is, is approved y'all. Yes. yes. <laughs> so Mark, oh my goodness. So tell us what, what, what is next? And, um, I don't want to go into future projections in terms of markets and, and shifting, but I think maybe, uh, one of the is there a nugget that you may provide for professionals and even home sellers because I don't know if they realize they can order appraisal before they put it on the market. That, I, I like that when they do that because that way they know what's actually selling and um, then they don't overprice. I hate 
when they overprice their home and they want to know why it's selling the more days on the market. So now you're starting to see what the, what the shift is, especially when you see the rates raise. So when they raise rates, the market will slow down. Our industry will slow down. And then when it's overinflated, so we're in the Bay, I'm in the Bay area and mm -hmm. it's really, really expensive up here. And so what happens when you see the rates raise, one part of our industry slows down for me, which is the refinances. Mm -hmm. And so I, I had a lot of refi work, not anymore, mostly sales now, very few refinance. And I have a lot of private clients. So the market slows down when the rates are raised because people don't want to refinance with a higher rate if they have a better percentage now. So why switch? So right. what you want to do now is you want to, if you're in the market to sell, it's always good to get that evaluation first, I think. And, and like you said, that's key because then at least you know what's going on in the market and how long it's taking. You see the days on market, DOM, they're increasing now. They used to be under 30 days. They may be now 45 right. and there's not as much competition, you know. So I don't think the market will crash like it did before but it just slowed down. It's trying to correct itself from the high prices, but I don't think the prices are dropped back down either. So what we have to do now is be smart and wait to see what they do with the rates. So whenever the feds raise the rates, we just cringe as a president. Oh, part, a small part of the pie is going to slow down for us before we were doing really good. It just, right. you know, we're super busy. So now just slowed down that aspect of it, just in the homes and the financing, mm -hmm. but the commercial side is still super busy. I haven't ventured over to commercial side, so mm -hmm. I may, dabble in that in a few years if this keeps if, you know that's the roller coaster ride with the houses with the and I and I'm glad you said that you yeah. you touched on three three important things one you talked about the 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 market self-correcting and I may have said this on past shows about we've actually never let the market correct even in the past administration we right. put a nice band-aid on it and we kept it pushing right we pumped money in terms of buyouts and bailouts and all kinds of things, but exactly. the market actually never self-corrected. So now what we're seeing, is it trying to self-correct itself? And we know that real estate is cyclical, right? We go only seven to 11 year cycles typically. And so we are right on time. So when people are like flipping out, it's like, yo, look at the last time we were in this right. down market. We're right on time. And I've said this intimately with professionals that I know and team members and colleagues, clients, I've said this before, your shift should have started happening a year or two years ago. You should have been right. making those adjustments and acclimating it. Uh, one of the things that I like to uh, recommend to clients as well, those who are getting into the buyer market is uh, keenly during the, you know, the winter season, like, you know, the October to the January period is because there you have sellers who have to sell, need to sell, right? And then there aren't too many pool of buyers that are actually doing that. Why? Because it's the holiday season. They don't want to make those drastic exactly. moves. They don't want to spend on big ticket items, but that gives the buyer, the savvy buyer, such a negotiating power to come in and negotiate with the seller who was more apt to consider their terms and conditions and price. Exactly. And so that's what I see. And you hit on something that I think is so valuable because you said, especially if someone is selling the home and they don't have any idea and they get an overzealous realtor and they just over overinflate the price and then the house sits on the market for a long time. And so if you know an appraiser, if you can get an honest opinion of value before you sell, before you put it on the market. And what I do for a few of my clients is I help them out. If, if I go out first and they have to put it on the market again, I can give them updated comps without going back to the spot. So it's mm -hmm. some, some things that I do for my clients that, you know, so I'm not going to go back again. I already know I have the square footage. I have the pictures. I have the measurements. So I'll just give you updated comparables and you want to use them within the last three to six months. Mm -hmm. After that, because the bank and, and if you can use 90 days, that's perfect, because then you have another 90 days before the comp really falls off. You want to stay within six months. So if you use them only three months, then you have three months to get it off, to get that, you know, to see what you're going to do. And it gives you time. After six months, the comps kind of fall off if you have an active market. But when it slows down, that's when everybody gets worried. So the key thing that you said is to get the valuation before they put it on, just so you know what's going on and what. A lot of people do now is, uh, I don't know if you use it, but Zillow. Have you heard of that? So, oh Zillow. my gosh, let's, let's talk about this and talk about how they are not licensed appraisers and they have had uh, lawsuits against them. Let's address this now. <laughs> so, 
whenever someone tells me, oh, I use Zillow to get my valuation, I just, I cringe and I say, no. What Zillow does is they lump every size sale into that, into your neighborhood. You want comparables that fit your subject, your property. You don't, if you have a 1500 square foot home, you don't want somebody comparing it with an 800 square foot home or a 2,500 square foot home. You want it to be comparable to you. And that's what Zillow doesn't do. They, you know, they, they just lump it in with all the sales and that's not how it works. Mark, so. save for the people in the back. I don't think they heard you. <laughs> Zillow will give you an idea, but don't use it. You can't count on Zillow. Don't use it. I mean, not right. if you want a valuation. It give you an idea of what's selling, what's going on, the activity but not a true valuation because they just lump in everything. The whole neighborhood is not comparable to your property. Exactly. You know, so and and I, 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 as I was describing the BPOs, one thing that was factored in there and you, you talked about it, I touched on it, but I want to extract it for people who are listening to uh, what you just said about Zillow. Zillow includes everything, meaning a property that was sold off market, maybe to family to family transfer, mm -hmm. and they did it for a low price that gets comped in there with your house. Yeah. A property that was a bank foreclosure that gets comped in with your property, a property that was sold in an auction that gets comped in there. You know, a yeah. remodeled property gets comped in there. That those aren't comps. <laughs> no, they're not. It's not. And so that's what a happens. Picture upper and a remodeled home aren't comps. <laughs> No, you don't want to use it because you want to know what are you up against, what are you up against with your comparable and how does it look? You know, what are, you know, apples for apples and oranges for oranges. They don't do that. And that's the biggest problem with Zillow. You know, they just throw everything in. It doesn't matter. And that's the problem. And so, right. you know, right. when you get there, it's hard for us when we get there, we don't see it. So I try to, I just try to educate the people, share the information. But a lot of appraisers, a lot of people that I talked to said, Oh, you're such a nice appraiser. I said, what do you mean? Well, the appraiser I had was a real jerk. And I said, well, why? This is my business. You know, if right. something's good, I don't want to be and I don't want to be considered a jerk. And I'm trying to get some referrals, you know, trying to get some extra work. I don't you know, I just treat you how I think you should be treated. And that way I never have any problems. So I, I seem to have very little problems. And a, a lot of clients stay with me because I just tell them the truth. Even if they don't like it, I tell them the truth. I'm honest. I said, it's price too high or, you know stuff like that. This is just exactly. easier that way. <laughs> and not only that, but I think it speaks to longevity. 15 years in, uh, when I, it, just like when I first started this, I was looking, you know, long game, you know, right. It may not be when I got in during the high time in the market, it took me a year to close a deal. I don't, I, I won't say that applies to everybody, but in my first year or my first year in business, it took me a year to, to close a deal. Why? Because I was being honest with people. And I said, are you kidding me? This right. is a very high market. I'm like, I don't, why would you spend that much on the property unless you need to, right? So only you need to because you're having a life event that causes you to do that. But for those who were speculative and saying, well, you know, I'm interested in buying, why are you spending over half a million dollars for properties that aren't really going to hold its value in the next five to six, you know, five to uh, 10 years. And that's what we saw. A lot of my business or clients and referrals came from that. And they said, you're, the, you know what, you're the only, you know, you were the only agent that told us not to buy during that time. Yeah. I had to figure something else out about my bread and butter, but you know what? I right. slept at night, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See that. Yeah. And that's why I have a few realtor friends and I just, they always call me for a comp and I can check it real quick. And I, I have a couple, you know, I won't use the MLS. I use what I call a, just the correct database, what's selling. And I, I look at the valuation. I said, okay, you're okay with that. Don't, you know, don't overinflate it. And so he can't find a copy or call me up. Mark, I can't find it. I said, cause you're looking on Zillow. He said, yeah, I did. <laughs> so <laughs> so that way. Yeah. So I I'm got so it. glad <laughs> you brought that up. And you know what? Um, I just want to make sure we give you an opportunity to definitely share more about your business. How do people get connected and support you. Uh, again, we are on with Mark Williams, real estate appraiser and owner of M&M &M Appraisals. And he shared a gem with us already that I, you're like my, one of my favorite people already. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just telling you the truth, Lisa. Like I said, it's, it's simple. Um, I have a client that I do private stuff for. So if you need an appraisal, somebody, unfortunately, as uh, we get older, a family member is going to pass away and they, have a house that's worth a lot of money. 
but the family's already fighting under the grandmother's ill. They need to know what to do. And so they need an evaluation. So you can contact me privately. You can get in touch with me at M&M Appraisals. Uh, I just have a phone number. I, the website, I'm super busy, so I don't have all the marketing yet. No worries. I'm waiting on that. No worries. So would you like to drop the number? Do you want them to DM oh, yeah, me can. directly? Yeah. You can drop the number. Uh, 707-246-4300. They can get in touch with me that way. Or they can send me an email. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I always answer the emails and uh, have something so on Mark Facebook, at seven zero seven two four six four three zero zero four three zero zero. So, all right, for those who are on the uh, uh, radio podcast and our listeners, uh, that's Mark's contact. You can reach out to him, and if you missed it, of course, you can DM me and I'll connect you. Again, he has been a great added value and resource. Mark, what's next for you? Because you definitely have a spirit of education, empowering and, and sharing with people knowledge. Uh, what's what's next for you um, with uh, your passion? Because you went from coaching the girls uh, uh, in the, uh, was it volleyball? Soccer and Soccer basketball. And basketball, yeah. right? right. I don't know where yeah. volleyball came from. I don't like the shorts. <laughs> it's so, and it's so funny. I played basketball uh, all the way up until high school. I was going to pursue it in college, but by that time it was like, all right, what are we doing in life? Get it together. <laughs> well, I'm looking to expand. I, I've been doing appraisals mostly in the Bay Area. So I, mm -hmm. I want to expand and I want to become an AMC by this time next year. And I want to start oh, doing some more properties in Las Vegas and LA. That would be amazing. I feel like you totally should, can, and especially because you you easily come off as an uh, as a teacher educator. You have that ability uh, because all what you shared, I have a book this thick that <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm answering the questions, but it's not sticking. And then just having, just conversing with you and learning the percentage of the GLA, learning about the field review versus the desk review, learning, learning, learning. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a better super agent today. <laughs> yes, you have the cape. Yeah, it's easy. Like I said, I just, I don't understand why appraisers, when I first started, I had a really good connection with a lot of realtors. I had over a hundred clients of my own yeah. and business was good. But when they took that away and put that, they forced us to use the AMC. And the wow. bad thing about the AMC is the new appraiser coming in, you know, typically we would get $400 per appraisal. And now what they want to do is they want to get you down to 350. They want to mm -hmm. get you down to 300. And so they, they still charge the homeowner maybe 500. So right. what do they, why do they want us to take such a big hit when they're not passing it on to the consumer? So I don't right. agree with that aspect of the AMC. So I won't do that to my appraisers. You know, if they go out, you know, if you keep it fair, so I want to be a better AMC. So I have a couple friends that I've connected with and they want to join with me, but they want me to follow all the steps. So that's one of my goals is to be able to do work in Las Vegas and L.A. So that's that's the goal. That's the future goal. So I'll be so if it's slow in the Bay Area, I come down and do a few in L.A. If it's slow there, I go to Las Vegas and do them there and I'll have associates working with me. So that's I don't plan. think it's going to be slow in L.A. It's just. <laughs> It, there's just so much opportunity, and especially when you bring so much value, and uh, when when you're featured as someone that can really uh, help in a homeowner. Because one of the things that I also shared on our when I first started the whole concept of the show, I talked about the importance of getting an appraisal when somebody dies, exactly. when the death of an owner dies. Exactly. Right. I, I think. Uh, did you want to do you want to expand on that or should do yeah, they have so to what happens with that, that's a, some people call it a forensics appraisal but what you want what happens is you have to go back in time mm -hmm. and you want the date of death appraisal is what was it worth when they passed and so you start from there and you use the comparables six months to 12 months from the date you don't go nothing in the future is from the date of death and then you want to put that together in a package to where in your appraisal so you're using a date in appraisal but you're, you're using a specific date and you won't use comparables past that date. And so what you do is you gather the information. It's almost like uh, the same with a disaster appraisal, sort of the same. You want to, before the fire, before the mudslide, before the disaster, what were the properties worth? 
And so if you give an honest evaluation, the insurance companies don't like that either because it wasn't worth that. Yes, it was. This is what mm. it was worth before this disaster happened. Here's the comparables to support that. So with a dated appraisal, when somebody passes away in the family, unfortunately, the family's fighting and they can't agree. You show them what it was worth. And it's easy to work for the courts because you don't have to do so many regulations. You don't have to crawl in the attic like FHA. You don't have to turn everything on. You just give them the opinion of what it was when the person passed away, when the loved one passed away. So those are pretty fair. You know, I do a lot of those. And if they can't agree, we had one in Richmond, California, where three brothers, uh, two brothers, it was three siblings, two sisters, and the brother just wanted to be bought out. But the sisters weren't selling at the time. So he wanted to know what his third would be. Right. So I just gave them an appraisal for what it was worth when the person passed away. But they weren't selling, but he just wanted out. He didn't want any more. So they had to split it. So they just so he wanted to be bought out. So you do those as well. So you just have to get older comparables to that date, to that specific date and don't go above it. So you use dated comparables and hopefully you have enough data with the MLS and the local assessor's office to gather enough data and facts to, for what the house was worth when it sold. So that's the right. big thing right. for them. It's, it's, right. it's easy to right. do. I'm used to it. You know, unfortunately, families, they just can't agree on a divorce. They can't agree on what it's worth. They, he wants to know what it was worth when I married her. <laughs> I said, what is <laughs> <laughs> so they're splitting up. They what was it worth then, you know? So right. And so and I want to share, I just want to share with that. Uh I want to expand on that real quick because you talked about something important with somebody, uh, albeit they inherited property or in uh in ownership, joint ownership, tenants in common, community property, and they have these types of vestings with other people and they want out. For those of you who are listening, have family members are in, in this situation. Uh, I have to share this because this is a recent campaign that I am launching. I'm currently in the middle of. We oftentimes find and hear those scenarios where siblings are like, I want my out. I want to move on. I can use my share to buy more property or do something else. You just said that the sisters or the other siblings did not want to sell or weren't ready to sell. Well, guess what? That's not legal to hold somebody hostage in that situation. And it's called rights to partition. So if you are listening, I do have a team of an attorney that actually won't charge the retainer and will assist our team with assisting you with your rights to partition. So I just had to share that for one, because what happens as you see, Mark, right? Oftentimes the property suffers, it gets deferred maintenance, it's dilapidated, yes. nobody's paying property taxes, the insurance lapses, and people exactly. are talking about these wild ideas about I'm an Airbnb and I'm gonna rent it out and I'm gonna do this. None of that actually really happens. <laughs> exactly. And and I, what I often see is they have to sell it for less than it's worth. They can't fix it up to bring it up to market. They can't do the little things because you can't, you have to stop and the and the courts take over. So that's, that's the ugly side of it. If they right. would just come together and, and, you know, put, you know, fix it up, do whatever was needs to be or keep it in the family. But when they're fighting like that, they have to take less money because they want to sell it as is right now. And it may need a new roof. It may need new windows, carpet, little paint, little cosmetic things, the curb appeal. So that's the ugly side of it. But like I said, with me, it's more that I educate and I share the information with people. So I usually don't have those kind of problems when I tell them something, they usually listen. And mm. just I find that, you know, that's easier for me if I just tell them the truth. OK, if you wait and you do this to it, it's fine. So. Right. So that was a major, major uh, uh, gold mine for those of you who are listening. And I also want to um, recap on the date of death appraisals. There is a tax strategy involved with that. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it, so you can expand more offline with me, but there's, especially as we're talking about taxation, there is a reason why I did this show before. And if you haven't caught that episode, there is um, an important tax strategy that if you have a spouse or joint owner, you want to order the uh, uh, date of death appraisal reach out to someone like Mark uh, and lock that in because what you do is you keep it for your files yes. for future tax uh, a strategy because why? It affects your capital gains tax. What you pay on the gain uh, from the original uh, um, uh, purchase price to the date of death and then the valuation post date of death. All right, so I'm not gonna go too much into that because I, this <laughs> is not perfect. a workshop y'all. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Though. You have so much knowledge. I didn't know you were really a super agent. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So Mark, all right. Thank you. You have shared so much in your time. Thank you for bearing with us on the uh, 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 hiccups, but we made this work, you guys. I think this was a phenomenal and timely episode as we are watching a shifting economy overall. Yes. Overall, yes. we do know that the East Coast is already officially in a buyer's market. You can read the headlines. You can see uh, my colleagues from that side are saying on average, the DOM, and for those who are listening, I expect you to know what that means. D-O-M is now at 60 days. Here, Mark said we're at 40, 45 days. And we have seen that, especially because I remember I took a listing in September. Had I taken it maybe three months prior, that property would have sold in seven days. However, it sat yes. a little bit longer. And yes. so that just goes to show you, you need to implement new strategies, due diligence works, and oftentimes maybe as a professional, um, offer a courtesy appraisal to be done prior to you listing so you can give that client a peace of mind. Uh, that's right. it for today, Mark. Any last words and, uh, you know, Coach Mark Wisdom? <laughs> like I said, doing this too uh, with the realtors, I always like to share with people if they tell them to take care of their credit. Make sure when they're buying a house, our people, for some reason, we don't take care of our credit. So as I'm seeing more people, when I go to a house and I get to see somebody who looks like me, I always say Wakanda because I do 25 to 30 homes a month and I don't see enough people of color owning homes. And I'm saying, why? What's going on? You guys, own some property, get some real estate, own it, invest in yourself. But property is the way to go, own it and just educating yourself on that. So if you have any questions about appraisals, it seems easy to me might be a little boring, but I can share the information with anybody. It's not hard. So that's why they call me the coach. <laughs> I'll and share the information. I help you. I help I help with the information just so they're informed. We want to inform buyers. You know, we want to educate our people and make sure that we're teaching them the right way, the right step. So it's easy. I, I had fun, Lisa. You made it easy. You brought so much value today. And I, I said offline, we we build offline. And I was like, this is gonna be an amazing show. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what's wrong with my computer? Because you see, I got computers in the back. I'm always on my desktop and I never, I, I don't use this. I've never used this camera. So you're the first one to use the camera with. I said, okay, I'll use the camera for Lisa. The phone, I couldn't you hear you. Like, I got the phone, but we made it work. So it was fun. Yes. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You guys, this is our time on Ready, Set, Real Estate. We are on season two, just concluded episode 22, going oh, strong. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for growing the show. Make sure you subscribe, download, hit the bell. And remember, this show supports Real Estate 100 Youth Foundation, where we seek to empower youth ages 11 to 17 with real estate terms, concepts, and careers like that that we just experienced with Mark as an appraiser. So needed, so integral to our industry. So we'll see you next week on another episode of Ready, Set, Real Estate. You guys, we'll see you next time. Thanks, Mark. No problem. Take care. All right.